We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the Ravens are getting ready to travel down to Jacksonville, Florida to meet up with the 3-7 and seven Jacksonville Jaguars. They are, their team is reeling. They have lost six of the last seven, but they're coming off a bye, feeling refreshed and wanting to turn things around. They will try to get that done against the Ravens. I'm Sarah Ellison alongside my partner, Bobby Trossett, and we're going to break all things down, matchups to watch, if the Ravens winning ugly can... Maybe you have some positives in it. Score predictions. We've got an interview with one of the Jacksonville beat writers down there. So we'll bring it all in right now. Bobby, this is another game where the Ravens, I mean, on paper should absolutely win it. But should they feel comfortable going in so and taking these guys lightly? Absolutely not. No, no. And, and first of all, all of a sudden we blinked, right? And it's week 12 of this NFL season. And this is the last slate of games in the month of November. So crunch time is right around the corner. The Ravens are in good position, obviously, you know, seven and three winners of four straight. We know how soft, at least on paper, which I never buy into this, but from a win loss record standpoint, the schedule is soft from here on out, but that doesn't, that really means Jack. I mean, we both know that just look what happened in Carolina, you know, against Carolina at, at home. So uh, nonetheless, you know, this is going to be an opportunity for them to continue their streak, continue to try and keep pace with some of the AFC elites, because Sarah, the bottom line is that top seed, while it will be challenging because we know how dominant Kansas City and Buffalo really are in this conference, it's not out of reach. So a, another opportunity here, a little post Thanksgiving, hopefully Lamar and company don't eat too much on Thursday <laughs> based on his tweet. I don't think he's going to eat at all, which is kind of concerning, but uh, that's what's going on. For those that don't know, Bobby's re referring to a tweet from Lamar Jackson, which I didn't quite follow. He just said that it looks like he's going to be starving on Thanksgiving, which uh, had thousands of people, as you can imagine, inviting him over to their Thanksgiving table. So we'll see what goes on there. So, Bobby, later on, we're going to bring on Sarah, JP. You know, yeah, go you ahead. Know what, Sarah, like, can we can we just envision this for a second? Like, let's put ourselves in Lamar's shoes. The fact that how about the feeling of truly like being able to knock on anyone's door in all <laughs> of Maryland, in all of Kentucky, in all of Florida and let's be honest, probably like most football towns in America and 
throughout the world and be able to sit down and have a plate. Yeah, he for sure could. He for sure could. And if there's not enough food, it's like, whoop, grandma, you don't get to eat today. This is going to Lamar. You know, right. you know, there would be people out there ready to do that for him. All right. So, Bobby, later on, we're going to bring on um, a Jaguars from the actual team writer, J.P. Shadrick. And we're going to kind of break things down with him from the Jaguars side. But let's you and I first talk about kind of where the Ravens are at. Coming off that 13-3 win last week against Carolina, many people, including myself, expected the Ravens to dominate. And to be honest, Carolina never really had a chance. <laughs> like, I never felt – there was never a time that I that it really felt threatened, and it was mostly because of the defense. Offense was struggling to get things going. So it was definitely one of those situations where it's better to lose ugly than win pretty. And now that you kind of have a couple of days to take a step back, like what are the benefits? We remember in 2019, the Ravens rolled. I mean, they had a couple of losses early and then they rolled to finish 14 and two. And it felt like once playoff time came around, they got punched in the mouth and didn't quite know what to do because it just felt like they hadn't quite um, had those big challenges during the second half of their season. So, what do you feel like are some of the benefits of winning ugly right now? Yeah, and, and you know what's fresh on my mind too, for whatever reason, is not only did they have the week off because of the bye in 2019, but they chose to essentially rest the majority of their starters, including Lamar, for that regular season finale against right. Pittsburgh. I believe RG3 was under center. So all and Harbaugh of that said, looking back, just, that he might. Harbaugh said after that, he was he was like, maybe I should rethink that if I ever find that find myself in that situation again. But then again, he may rethink himself again after all the injuries <laughs> that the team has sustained. Yeah. So it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation there. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I'm sure that's still at the top of his mind. But uh, but yeah, I mean, all that combined for just a disastrous day against Tennessee, and we all know what followed. But. Yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking about this, and we were talking about this in our pre-show meeting. I think there's a lot of benefits that can come from winning ugly so long as it doesn't become like a nasty trend that's, you know, happening more often than not. And what I mean by that is like winning ugly meant on Sunday that an offensive unit that's expected to put up We've all grown accustomed to, you know, 30 plus. Now that's not been the case this year for a number of different reasons. But I think the DNA of championship winning teams means that there there has to be a balance sometimes. And sometimes you need to lean on another phase more so than the other. And recently, for now a stretch of games, it's been the offense leaning on the defense. And so while that's weird and unfamiliar, at least in the Lamar Jackson era, there was a time, Sarah, as you know better than most, that that was the case. That was normal times here in Baltimore. Uh, those days have passed. The Lamar Jackson era is different. But I still think that when you talk about you know, the, the grueling nature of a 17-game, 18-week season and knowing some of the struggles that they've had in postseason play – I do think that there's some some good that can come from winning ugly. What do you think? It's kind of the old idea that, you know, diamonds are are created from pressure or iron sharpens iron. Like I am a big believer in that 
you know, in life in general, and it certainly applies to football. Like there's just, you can, you can, you, you have a lot to learn about yourself in these down moments. And it's even better if you can live those down moments while winning. So, you know, just like little things when, you know, you're, you keep seeing how in the fourth quarter, you're getting in the ball a little too late, which leads to, uh, you know, a, a delay of call uh, or a delay of game. So it's like it forces you now to focus on that and fix it. And then on top of it, not to lose your cool. And so it's like, all right, Lamar and and Ronnie Stanley, would they handle any situation different if it's in the playoffs? Or did they like the way that they were, you know, yelling at each other and, and bringing each other up? Did they think that worked for them or did they think that it set them back? They can figure that out. Lamar punting the ball, right, the other day. And luckily, yeah. I think the Ravens already was were called for a delay of game, so it didn't get called again. But that's something that, you know, Harbaugh can say, okay, I've been pretty chill with that in practice, but we can't do that because we're going to get, you know, a flag. Or, you know, Patrick Queen going through things before Roquan gets here, and now he's better for it because he's been through all those, that. Or the fourth, the blown fourth quarter leads on defense where they've been absolutely humiliated by that, and they know it. And so now it's like Marlon says, you know, last week after the game, we want to put up a goose egg. And they're getting there with the three points. And they like it's through these down moments and through some of that, just like it's it's like kind of like the question where people ask, Do you like winning better or do you hate losing more? You know, when you've been through those ugly moments, you know you do not ever want to go back there again. There is no way. And so that just puts the pressure on for you to polish and make things better. So 100% there's positives in winning ugly as long as you're learning lessons, which you alluded to, right? That um, you don't just keep making the same mistakes and, and being ugly. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's, that's, there's truth in that for sure. It's just not fun to watch while you're going through it. That was not a fun game to watch last week. No, it wasn't. And the penalty category uh, headlined that, that fact too, on both sides uh, for both teams. But, you know, Listeners may have caught some of Wednesday morning's vault this week, specifically topic two, when we talked and shared some some stuff about the debate that Stephen A. Smith and Keyshawn Johnson had on ESPN this week as it relates to the Ravens offense and whether or not they're concerned based on their output or lack thereof in recent weeks. Where do you fall on that? Yeah, so I think at one point, Keyshawn Johnson said we've been having this discussion for five years. <laughs> and yes. I think that I think that's true. And my feelings are no different today than they were before the Carolina game. At the end of the day, it's an ongoing debate that the Ravens have taken a stand on. And that's can you win in today's NFL with where you de-emphasize the wide receiver position and you play up defense the run game, and a tight tight end-centric, hopefully efficient pass game. That's the formula. And that's essentially what they were debating again. So am I concerned more today than I was before the Carolina game? No. I have the same stance. This is it. If the Ravens can play their A game in the playoffs with this offense, I think it can win a championship but it has to play its A game. So that means, you know, the defense plays like they did, you know. It's it's the run game has to get back on track. There was practically no run game. 
Am I concerned about that? No, I think Gus and JK are still going to be coming back. And those that's a game changer. Am I concerned that Lamar didn't spread the ball around enough? A little bit, but I know he can because I've seen it before. Now he just has to do it. We've seen that Devin DuVernay can step up. We can see that uh, DeMarcus Robin can, Robinson can step up. So, so it's no more of a concern than it was before. Would it be better if they added, you know, an OBJ or something like that? Of course. The more weapons, the better. So, so no, it's not that the Carolina game made me nervous. To me, to me, this offense has had very little consistency in personnel outside of Lamar Jackson. It's, you know, JK's in, then JK's out. Gus is in, then, then Gus is out. Um, Ronnie Stanley's in. Ronnie Stanley's out, then he comes in and he's in a rotation. He's finally at Pro Bowl form, and then he hurts his ankle. And, you know, we're going to have to f- keep following up on that. And so it's like it's hard to build a consistency. This offense has shown at times that it can be super hot, and then times it's super cold. And my hope, I don't know if this is true, my hope is is that once they start to get their consistent playmakers in there, then they can be more consistent on the field. But, yeah, my my feeling about the offense in general is the same. Bring me an A game, and I know you can do it, but I haven't seen this offense play their A game in the playoffs at all in the Lamar Jackson era. What Where are you at with it? Right. Well, what I'm thinking about right now is, uh, and you just led me down this this path, is – Let's say at the start of the year, start of, as the calendar flips from 2022 to 2023, and each team or the majority of teams have two games, two regular season games left at that point in, in the month of January before postseason begins. Let's say that Dobbins and Edwards are back in Lamar's backfield. God willing, Ronnie Stanley is good to go. And he's there and he's playing left tackle at his all pro level or at least his pro bowl caliber level that we've seen since he came back into the lineup a few weeks back. And they're at at least for for Raven standards at this point in, in what's been obviously a tumultuous couple of years. They are healthy entering the postseason. The one mm-hmm. thing that I just thought about that I'm a little concerned about is from a personnel standpoint, the lack of reps that they've all had together at that point. Yeah, right. sure. Have they all played together in the past? Absolutely. But will there be rust? Will there be, you know, a flow from an offensive standpoint? And I, I don't I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know if I should have as much of a concern as maybe that just popped up in my mind. But it's I hadn't thought curiosity. about it until. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. just got me thinking curious because think about all these other AFC elites that they're going to have to go through in order to come out of the conference, right? Like, gosh, Kansas City, Buffalo, Tennessee, Cincinnati, you name it. And the majority of those teams, specifically at the top, like Kansas City and Buffalo, they've maintained like decent health on the offensive side of the ball. And flow is not a flow and rhythm are not issues for them whatsoever. And so I don't know. Do you think that has any merit? I, I do. I what would be ideal, okay? And I don't know if this is gonna happen because you can't control the injuries. It's not it's, you know, it's not like it's computer software and you input it and say, okay, you'll be, you'll be healthy by this time. If you do this, like everybody's bodies responds differently. So uh, this goes back to like this idea of, of winning ugly, like, or, or not having all your, your players, like if the Ravens are able to get those guys back, which is currently the plan that JK will be back, you know, uh, 
Gus will be back. Hopefully nobody else goes down. Ronnie there. Then it's like, if you can have three or four games in December together, then you can start building that that chemistry. And by the way, you haven't given away your entire playbook because they haven't been <laughs> they haven't been together. You know what I mean? And so if if it all comes together at the right time, then then that's a that I think they could get on the same page pretty quickly. I, I, I you know, like two or three games. But if it's just like they suddenly come together in, you know, the first week of the playoffs, I mean, you're right. It may take still may take a minute. But you know, I when you when people talk about putting the Ravens up against the AFC elites, the Ravens have played the Dolphins. The Ravens have played the Bills. And yeah, they lost to both, but do you think this new this new defense is giving up fourth quarter leads like that again? I don't. I don't. Oh man. Not you know what I mean? Not with Roquan on the field, not with Tyus Bowser on the field, not with all these guys there. If Hamilton finding his way, Hamilton, Hamilton and these young rookies were a big, a big part of that. John Harbaugh actually talked about it on Monday. They were like, what's changed? And he's like, honestly, it's rookies learning their roles, you know? And um, yeah, so, so give, give the Ravens another chance against Miami with this defense. Give this Ravens another chance with the defense looking like it is. I like the Ravens chances. Now the Chiefs, you know, that's another, that's another level. But man, yeah, if if Hamilton's healthy and they're playing like they've been playing, uh, I like those rematches, Bobby. Yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. And we're going to get to the middle part of the Ravens defense in a second here because uh, there has been a perfect marriage formed in in recent weeks. So we'll we'll discuss that in a minute. But you just made me think of something, and and that's kind of the experimental phase that they were in back earlier on this season during the Miami game, specifically with some of their rookies. And one that comes to mind, who's just been a healthy scratch for for, I don't even know how long at this point, but that's Jalen Armour Davis. And you can remember he was a part sort of of, (laughs) he was being targeted in that Miami game. And he was a part of some of those busted coverages. So, you know, I think sort of phasing him out and bringing in maybe. Here's one of the big changes. It has been phasing Jalen Armour Davis out because he was, but, but Hamilton did have some, some screw ups there too, but he found a spot in that nickel package. And so he was playing on the inside, which allowed Humphrey and uh, Marcus Peters to play on the outside and he was just blowing everything up in there when you have a 6-4 DB yeah. there and like you're trying to play him you know if he's playing press coverage like good luck or the or before he got hurt in Carolina when they try to block him the slot receiver tried to block him on a on a screen and he just pushed him out of the way and blew up the screen yeah. like that's been that's been the magic formula once he went down they actually put they put uh, Brandon Stevens on the outside and put Humphrey back on the inside. And so, you know, this is going to be, uh, sorry, but Brandon Stevens versus Humphrey on the outside. I know who I'm taking out there. It's, it's, it, it's, that's one of the ways that they've found their way. They were able to phase, they even put Pepe in for CB3 a couple times, but it's Ben Hamilton that, that, that really worked there. And so they were able to use their safety depth. And we haven't even talked about, Marcus Williams should be coming back in December too. So the defense is only going to get stronger. Yeah, that dislocated wrist a few weeks back certainly certainly hurt the momentum that he was on. He was just a turnover machine. And the Ravens defense has picked up where he left off though since then and and really become the 
you know, the takeaway kind of unit that we expected this group to be before the season began. Some numbers through 10 games, by the way, for, for Kyle Hamilton, 209 coverage snaps he's logged, just 177 yards allowed. And for that and much more, he is PFF's highest graded rookie defender for whatever it's worth uh, entering week 12. So you hope that he's okay with that knee. We heard from Harbs earlier this week that the knee is stabilized. Hopefully they're going to be careful with him because uh, after some initial bumps and bruises that we're kind of alluding to here in that Miami game and, and earlier parts of the season, he's settled in and that role is expanding. Like we talked about on the vault, you know, within that, uh, within the, 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 the nickel and dime packages that Mike McDonald has him working with. So it's been great to see because initially, remember, he kind of had to get face the music a little bit, Sarah. I remember talking about this on the vault one morning. I think it might have been after that Miami game where where he was approached uh, by the media scrum and he essentially stood by it, you know, his uh, his dignity there and said, I got to get better. You know, that was unacceptable. And, and he certainly has since then. Hey, speaking of of first round draft picks getting better. <laughs> How about Patrick yeah. Queen? How about Patrick yeah. Queen, especially, you know, since the addition of, of Roquan Smith? Yeah, for real. He, he deserves to be talked about because, Sarah, he's been talked about a lot over the last few years for yeah. good and for bad. A lot of it's been bad. A lot of it's been him trying too hard in a way. And I think I think Harbs actually sort of alluded to that during a recent press conference. Sometimes he wants to be such a playmaker and live up to the linebacker role that is expected in Baltimore that sometimes he just whiffs or sometimes he just gets ahead of himself or hits the deck because he's flying around so much. He, even before Roquan arrived a couple of weeks ago, Patrick was playing just stout football, playmaker type of football, great vision. And it's such a, it's been a testament to, I think what he's done in the film room too. And I think, you know, I haven't read much up on it at this point. I'm going to later this week. But, you know, Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Sun did a great one-on-one -on -one with him recently. Definitely worth a read mm -hmm. uh, and a look uh, over at the Thanksgiving holiday for those of you who maybe haven't seen it yet. Uh, but he just seems like he's a lot more comfortable, obviously, now that he's got an all-pro that he's lining up alongside. But like we said, we, we made that pretty clear during this one of the vaults this week. This wasn't just because of Roquan. That's put him over the edge, no question. But he was playing at a Pro Bowl caliber level, you could argue, prior to his arrival. Yeah, I agree with that. You definitely need to give him his his due and his flowers on that. And at the same time, Roquan has even allowed it to go to another level. Even another level. Like, I was watching Brian Baldinger's <laughs> film study of these two linebackers, and it just gets you fired up because – you watch the way these two play off of each other. They're both so fast, so fast the way they just cut through. And, and you know, as long as the defensive line, which, by the way, is also playing, you know, really well, continues to do well, despite losing Michael Pierce. Um, it, I mean, Clayus Campbell and Roger Washington, who had that tip pass yeah. that, that ended up for a, a, an interception. But these guys are eating blocks, which is allowing um, Roquan and Patrick to just knife through. 
and get running backs in, in the in the backfield. They're able to put pressure on these quarterbacks. I mean, there was one play, though, that Baldy highlighted. I don't know if you saw it. Unreal. Patrick <laughs> yeah. Queen comes through the line, has like this kind of chop move, but it looks like a slap right to his former teammate, Bozeman, Bradley Bozeman, just knocks him in his helmet. And, and his face... And helmet kind of like twist one way and all of a sudden his whole body has to go with it. And, and it's like, he's in a blender. He does a 360 is completely lost. And then Roquan comes in from behind and gets the running back. And then, you know, Patrick queen is able, and then, and then even when like, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield was able to escape, he's got a lead on Patrick queen. Patrick queen is so fast. He's like, uh, uh-uh, you're not going anywhere and tackles him, you know, as they're going out of bounds. And it's just like, they both are playing so fast and they're both playing physical. Like they just throw their bodies in there. And so, man, it's made you just like, you forgot for a while what outstanding inside linebacker play is, and it's just so good to see it back. Yeah, and Baldy referred to them, the duo, as the fastest duo yeah. of inside linebackers in the entire league, which is pretty you – now, that's just so promising. Uh, you know, I think another thing that I was thinking about, too, was part of the deficiencies over the years when it comes to PQ has been the angles that he takes in space. Right. And I think we've really seen an improvement uh, on on that this year. And I don't know what that has to do with. Maybe it's just discipline. Maybe it's just better vision. Or maybe it's just playing. Yes, he's playing fast, like Harb said, but he's playing freely. And so rather than maybe just r- almost like it's chaotic. Somebody Somebody said this to me recently. It was my sister's roommate's sister. Uh, Haley's sister, you were on the call with me yesterday during my trip home from from Baltimore to spend some time in, in upstate New York for the holidays. And she said, man, somebody at work told me that I have chaotic energy. What? How do I take that? You know, should I be upset about that? I was like, I, I was like, I don't really know, but I love your energy. Anyway, <laughs> a, a small little tangent to say that maybe Patrick, instead of having chaotic energy as he once did, because he just felt like he needed to do so much all the time. Now he has just confident energy and he's playing like it. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I hope it's a sign of things to come. And it seems like whoever gets there first, right? Whoever gets to the playmaker first between the two of them, the other one's like right behind them just in case. So it's been fun. It's been a perfect marriage. Love at first sight at Harv, as Harv said earlier this week. And uh, hopefully uh, again, a sign of things to come. Well, and and you know what? I think that's actually a really good word for the way he was playing. Chaotic energy. Uh, y- you know, I've said this before. I coach, you know, three basketball teams all with my kids. And um, and um, you can see kids who have so much energy and they're in a hurry to go who knows where. Like, like <laughs> listen, I like the aggressiveness. I like the attack. But where are you going? Kind of a thing. Let's like, let's... Let's harness, let's harness all this energy and all this talent and all this athleticism, but harness it and focus it to different places. And that's exactly what I feel like Queen has been doing again, even before Roquan got here, where it was like, focus that energy, focus that athleticism 
I actually think that's a really, really good. Now he's more of a controlled chaos. Yeah, bring bring that chaotic feeling so that offenses don't know where you're coming from. But let's make sure it's controlled on the defensive side. And we're doing this right, right, Bobby. We're going with PQRS. This is this is a given, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not. I'm oh like, my gosh. Anytime one of them makes a play together, you know, I'm tweeting PQRS, and like that's it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. it's only right. You gotta you gotta respect the alphabet. All right, we're honoring the alphabet yes. here on the vault. Yes, it's just, it's meant to be. We have to do it. So um, the other day, Bobby, just to highlight one other defender, um, there's a meme going around that has um, an image of kind of a bar chart, right? And the bar chart has three different categories. One's production and the bar is like off the chart. The next one is, I can't remember what the next one is, but it's like off the chart. And oh, it's talent, I think, that's off the chart. And then it's recognition, which is like not even coming up off of the zero tick mark. And it basically said, which player is this? Saw lots of different people tweeting which player that is. For me, it's Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey this year, his production is off the chart in terms of like people don't even want to target him anymore <laughs> you know what I mean and no, no. and when he does like he only had two targets in 31 coverage snaps against the Carolina Panthers two targets and one of them yep. he gets a nasty interception for it's like yeah that's that's pretty good at 50 percent <laughs> like yeah. uh it's it's obviously a small sample size of only two but of the two you intercept one and you did it just by like purely like Blowing up the receiver and taking the it, ball, it jumping sweet. the route, went right. Yes. I mean, yeah. it was just, it was so good. And he's like screaming, he's off the chart. And so it's just like, he is, he's all pro Marlowe. But when you look at people talking about top, top, top 10, top five, top three cornerbacks, he doesn't get the recognition for it, which is fine. That's how we like it in Baltimore. It's fine. But man, he was the perfect guy for that meme for me. And the way he shut down along with the rest of the DBs, uh, DJ Moore, it was just, it was, it was a thing of beauty. He deserves so much more recognition for what he's doing this year. Yeah. I'm glad you brought him up because if PQ has a confident energy, then Marlon has a infectious, contagious energy. The defense just feeds off this guy. I love when he makes a play and he quite literally starts wailing himself, wailing on his helmet, like with both hands, yeah. just smacking <laughs> himself in the face, you know, and everybody just gets up for this guy. You talk about some statistics yeah. that, that come to mind that show just how back to his all pro level he is. How about this from PFF? Most covered snaps without allowing a touchdown among CBs this season he sits second behind DJ Reed up there in New York with the Jets with 387. The third player on this list, oh, it's just Stefan Gilmore. So uh, he's <laughs> back to go. playing, you know, what he was about in, in 2020. That doesn't mean that his 2021 season was, you know, something to to kind of scoff at. He just it was a part of probably how much was on his plate last year with such a decimated defense. We also for, forget too, that he tore his pectoral muscle 
down the stretch last year. Yeah, there's absolutely yeah. zero signs of of him slowing down at all due to whatever rehab that took uh, this offseason. And by the way, he lives in Fe- he lives in Harbor East. I live in Fells Point, downtown Baltimore. We're not neighbors, okay? But we do live about a couple blocks away. We live in very different places, Sarah. But what I see <laughs> on his social media is he has this hot tub that overlooks all of Baltimore. And I won't say what building he's in, just in case we got a couple creepers. But (laughs) Marlon has this hot tub that's in this suite-like apartment overlooking Baltimore. And he's constantly in that thing, according to his Instagram stories. So he's taking (laughs) care of his body. He's playing great football. And it's been a joy to watch. It's been great to, to hear and see all the buzz about he and Marcus, you know, he and Juice Man being back in that conversation for most lethal corner duo league wide because they're playing like it. I thought you were going somewhere with that hot tub story that like abruptly <laughs> ended. I was like, oh, Still waiting for my invite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, that's actually uh, should we get into it now or after? Maybe we can do matchups to watch now. Then we'll get into yeah, our conversation yeah. with JP. And then on the other side, we'll give our predictions. Does that work? Sure. Sure. All right. So that would be my matchup to watch while we're talking about him is on the offensive side for the Jaguars in their passing game. And you're going to hear this from from uh, JP is, you know, they can move the ball and wide receiver Christian Kirk has been a big part of that. The, the, the Jags spent some money on Kirk this offseason to bring him in. And he's 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 having himself a good little season just against uh, Kansas City before their bye, their last game. He put up 105 yards, nine receptions and two touchdowns. So that to me is somebody that Marlon and and Peters and the rest of the the defensive back room needs to watch. I mean, I think that the Jags uh, running game is really what kind of sets the tone for them. Uh, But similarly to what they did to DJ Moore, they're going to want to repeat with uh, with uh, Kirk. Yeah, no, I think that's a good one to watch. One that we're definitely going to ask uh, JP about as well. And I think what I also want to ask him about and what my, what my matchup to watch is, is the fact that Jacksonville's linebacker play has been a little bit suspect so far. So much so that I was listening to uh, Doug Peterson's press conference earlier this week, and they're going with a rotation now between Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma. Now, both of these guys are rookies, you might recall, if, if those of you out there like to, to follow, you know, the scouting process coming out of college and whatever. Devin Lloyd was somebody who was all in terms of like draft buzz, which is never saying much because every there's buzz about every team and every player. But mm. Devin Lloyd seemed to be mocked to the Ravens a little bit. Well, he I do went remember in that. The, the, yeah, the, the, the mid to late 20s, he went to Jacksonville and he was one of their two first round picks in uh, in the draft back in April. And uh, I guess he just he's playing a little bit frantically is is some of the some of the, the the talk that's coming out of Jacksonville. And so it just made me think that there's a real advantage potentially in play here uh, for Mark Andrews coming across the middle and also just for the the Ravens rushing attack, which we know can come in a, in a variety of, dif- of different ways in their RPO game and uh, in, in the Lamar zone read game. So. That's what I'm going to be looking for. And I think there's an opportunity to gash Jacksonville early 
they have been a a very tough first quarter team. Now we are coming off a week where the Ravens looked real tough in the first quarter and didn't even score a touchdown until really like when they absolutely needed it in the fourth quarter. But I think there, there could be an opportunity there. All right. So those are our matchups to watch. We'll go ahead and get into our interview with uh, J.P. Shadrick. He covers the Jaguars for the team down there uh, in Jacksonville. So let's jump into that. All right, J.P. So we always obviously start with this off the top because there's 32 teams. There's only so many that you can cover thoroughly. So for those who have not been following Jacksonville's season to date, uh, what is the state of the Jaguars coming out of their bye? Well, the state of the Jaguars is three and seven. And uh, well, first off, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, three and seven, it is what it is. They've, they've had a lot of close losses. Uh, the last game in Kansas City was the first one that was a two score loss. Everything else had been within one score and they had lost some fourth quarter leads. The defense has some issues, um, you know, in a number of different ways we can get into later. The offense is moving the ball pretty well between the 20s, but they struggle situationally in the red zone and in goal-to-go situations. They've been inconsistent. The quarterback's getting better, it feels like. So that's kind of where they are. They're just a a tick off, it feels like, from being close to 500 somewhere in that ballpark, but they aren't. And they're in third place in the division, and they're four games back of the Titans. They do play the Titans twice, but they're pretty much going to have to run the table if uh, they're going to have anything miraculous happen here. Yeah, JP, that's what I was going to say. From the outside looking in, the Jags, to me, appear more dangerous than their record shows because, like you said, they're able to move the ball. Their turnover ratio isn't bad. It's eighth in the league, so you got to be careful about turning the ball over. It seems like it's just missed opportunities and self-inflicted wounds. Would you say that's accurate? Is it because they're a young team? I'd say that's pretty accurate, Sarah. Yeah, it's a lot of it's Trevor Lawrence. There was a game in Philadelphia earlier in the season. It was wet. It was nasty conditions, but it doesn't matter. The other team held on to the ball, and he did. He fumbled it four times Mm. um, and then threw an interception against the Texans, which is the only game the Texans have won this year, by the way, was against the Jags. He threw a goal-to-go interception on second down and goal from like the four, and he threw it into triple coverage for no reason. Just throw it away, live live another down, and he, he didn't do that. And then two weeks later in London, he did the same thing again, except it was first and goal at the one. The play was designed to be a, a sprint right, throw it to Christian Kirk in the end zone, or throw it to the popcorn vendor. Like, And he threw it to uh, the safety on the goal line, like with three guys in the way. So just – Little things like that, right? I mean, that that's where they are right now. That seems to have – maybe he's turned a corner a little bit because he was very efficient the last two weeks. Um, you know, they, the problem is now, like, the schedule is just tough. Like, these teams on the schedule are are rolling, right? And then once, once you get to Thanksgiving, you have a pretty good idea of who's going to be a playoff contender, and there are a lot of playoff contenders on the schedule coming up. So uh, those mistakes – will be magnified by 10 now if it was only five earlier in the season. So that's the problem with the offense, right? They can move it. They can run it. Trevor's been throwing it pretty well. Uh, But, yeah, the red zone stuff's got to clean up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. At this point, JP, I guess mathematically speaking, technically they could be one of those postseason contenders when it's all said and done, but they got to get going like stat. Is that a real goal that's in the mind of this organization? I mean, you've spent a lot of time around that locker room and speaking to you know, members of that organization. So it's a young roster. We know that. Do, do they feel like this second half of the season can, is that a realistic thing that's in their minds? Is it realistic? I don't know. Um, is it part of the process of changing the culture of the Jaguars organization? Absolutely. You have to think that way. It has not been the thought around here for a long time. You know, once Thanksgiving hits, it's about, oh, well, you know, when am I going to Cancun in January? Right. I mean, that's that's kind of a lot of times the way it's felt. Uh, but no, uh, championship organizations don't think like that. And that's what Doug Peterson's trying to build here is an organization that competes for championships every year. And that means you're in it until you're out of it and they're in it still. Okay. Yeah. It's a long shot, but um, it's a, it's a group that has the mindset of, Hey, we're still playing for something here. We've got a lot to build on. There's a lot of players that are going to be here for a long time. It's not just a, a one and done team. So let's build something at least try to win some of these games and win most of these games, all of a sudden you're in the conversation again. So I think it's just the idea of being alive in the playoff race. Okay. Well, you always have a chance, even though you might not. Right. I mean, that, that in reality, we know that outside of that locker room, right. That's going to be a, a long shot for that to happen, but to establish that mentality in your team, I think that's exactly what Doug Peterson has done. And we, we heard it on Monday in the locker room. Uh, a lot of guys were mentioning postseason playoffs, keeping it going, all that. We had never really heard that around here before. So it's a good step in the right direction. Whether they do it or not, I don't know. But uh, I like hearing it, at least. JP, what grade, speaking of Doug Peterson, what grade would you give him in his first year as the head coach? Oh, the grades. We did this on the show on Monday night. Uh, we graded <laughs> every position group. We graded the coaching. We graded the draft. We graded, That's what happens in the bye week, coming off the bye week show. Um, yeah. Doug's done a fantastic job, I think. And like I just mentioned, establishing the winning culture and, and what it means to be a winning organization in the NFL. 
this team has had one winning season since I've been here in 11 years and well before that too. It's been a while, right? So, you know, and there's been players that have come and gone. They haven't been able to keep first round draft picks to, into second contracts. Um, that, that's been a 15 year problem. That's not just a one year, two year problem. That's an issue. And you can't, you, you really don't have a, a basis for an organization where you don't have core Jaguar players, right? First, mm-hmm. second round guys are not here. So Doug's trying to build that and start from the bottom. So I think he's done a very good job at messaging. They did a great job in free agency, getting some players who understand the league, who are not problems, who are good players and can help a young quarterback um, and understand the message and get what it means that this is a longer term build. Yes, they want to win this year, but they have to do the right things this year to be ready to win uh, if not this year, then in the years to come. So I think he's done an A, a job, man. I mean, he's, he's been fantastic. He's great to deal with. He understands the league as a player, as an assistant coach, as a head coach. He's got a Lombardi trophy, a Super Bowl ring. So, um, and he's, I think he's just perfect for this uh, marketplace at this time. And, but now they have to have some results here. I mean, this is a fan base that's not very patient anymore. <laughs> you know, they have won many games, but he understands that. And I, I think he's done a great job. I think we can all probably, uh, you know, appreciate the impatience. Eleven years, you said you've been there, and 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 one winning season. That's that can get old quickly. But uh, like you said, that young quarterback's tasked with you know being a central part of this turnaround, and that is Trevor Lawrence. It's his sophomore season, so take us up to speed, kind of on where he is right now. Is there a belief at this point in in his young tenure that he is? the guy and and how's year two gone so far well year two like we said earlier he's had some turnovers earlier in the season where he was uh, as tom coughlin would call it had a callous disregard for the football in the uh, just I, I hear his voice in my head saying yeah. that um in that philadelphia game right i mean there were five turnovers all on him and there was no excuse at all for that. that that was not good and they lost the game by one score i mean they had a chance with the ball in their hand late and he fumbled again so I think he's cleaned some of that up. Start with that. Don't, don't give the ball away. He did that a bunch last season. I, I think last season, it's hard to throw it out because they happened. They were 17 games. So he has the experience of going through that at least. I don't know if he learned a lot on the field from that, but you know, getting ready for game day and getting ready for the week and all that, sure. And when you have this staff around you now, um, with him, uh, with Doug Peterson and Mike McCoy as the quarterbacks coach. Press Taylor is a young up-and-coming, of course, uh, offensive coordinator. That's a good trio of guys around you who understand the position and uh, maybe a way to approach it. So, uh, yeah, there's certainly belief. He, Trevor's the guy. He's not going anywhere. He's the guy. Come hell or high water, he's starting every game. There's It doesn't matter if he has five turnovers, right? There was There were some fans calling – our shows post game earlier in the season, wanting to bench him. And that's the, that's the dumbest idea you could ever do because hmm. he's not going to get better sipping Gatorade. Like, so go play, go uh, take your lumps and um, get better. And I think he's done that. He's um, one thing missing is uh, there's not a lot of deep balls down the field. And part of that might be the personnel around. There's maybe not a lot of that. Um, but the other opportunities are there sometimes and he's not taking the shot. So I think we might see a little bit more of that down the stretch, maybe some bigger explosive opportunities down the field that he just pulls the trigger and, and dials it up. 
Well, I'm sure the Ravens hope he doesn't <laughs> clean up those turnover woes just yet. The Ravens, I think, go back something like 12 games with at least one turnover each game. So that'll be a, an interesting development to watch. What about Trayvon Walker? He's the number one overall pick from 2022. Has he been living up to his draft status? And should the Ravens be concerned about him? Yeah, back-to-back number one overall picks, by the way. Not the place you want to be as an organization. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Trayvon Walker, I think – this uh he's there was a lot of expectation because of where he was picked yeah uh they put him in at outside linebacker which was a position that he just dabbled in at georgia it wasn't like he was the regular pass rushing specialist so his pass rushing true pass rushing skills are somewhat limited and you know, there's he hasn't had the numbers. You know, early in the season, he had a big play, interception, week one, Washington, you know, all that. He's a powerful guy. And if he can figure out some moves off of that straight power, he's going to be a very good player in the league. He might be a really good player if he lines up inside on the defensive line, which he's done a very little bit of, but they've pretty much kept him at outside linebacker. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they – dabble a little bit with him moving him around as this uh, season moves just you know see if he can figure out something else but uh, they like his upside um, but considering where he's picked it's you know they they were hoping for maybe a little bit more from him Um, they were thinking that he was going to help Josh Allen on the other side and that hasn't worked out either so they've got some issues in the pass rush game right now uh, or lack thereof and Trayvon's a little bit of a piece of that, but no, no, they're they're excited for what he can be. But it's still rookie season. Rookie wall could come into play now as well with with him. Seems like that's the case for their other first rounder too, uh, linebacker Devin Lloyd. And I actually listened to Doug Peterson's press conference this week, and basically it looks like they're going with some sort of rotation from here on out uh, with with Lloyd and fellow rookie linebacker Chad Muma. So. What's going on with Lloyd's play, and and how how concerned are you, given not only Mark Andrews coming across the middle, but the Ravens lead the rushing attack? Yeah, thanks. Uh, appreciate that. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> no, so you know, I like Devin Lloyd a lot. I think he's a really smart player. I think he's a, a fantastic athlete. I think it's moving really fast for him. And you could tell that the last month or so that he's missing some things in the coverage game. And there were times where Chad Muma, who was also a draft pick this year, well, they stocked up on linebackers in the offseason, by the way, with Aluakan and free agency and then Devin Lloyd and then Muma. So it's a whole new room. Um, so, but Muma has been stepping in there in some key situations in the passing game already. And Doug Peterson said Monday that, or, uh, uh Wednesday, I forget what day it is now. My mind is mush, but um, said that they're going to rotate and didn't really give detail on what that means. Uh, okay, they're both going to play, and that's what it is. I think just give Devin Lloyd maybe a little bit of a break, see it from the side. They still have confidence in him as a player and an athlete and all that, but it's a rookie trying to figure some things out when it's going really fast. And he's a smart enough guy to to be able to handle that, I think, and understand why the changes are being made. And, um, hey, I think he's going to be a good player in time. That time has not quite come yet, but uh, there's still confidence in him. All right, so, JP, looking at this game, if you had to draw it up, what would have to go right for the Jaguars? What do they have to do 
to just make sure everything goes right and they were able to pick up a win? Uh, I, I put like 15 guys on the field on defense <laughs> and not let Lamar run around like crazy. Uh, no, I, that's priority number one. If he starts getting out and getting 20, 30-yard runs and weaving through your defense, you're in trouble. And all of a sudden you have to bring extra guys in for that and he's going to toss it over the top to the tight end. And good night. Uh, so that that's not ideal. Uh, run the ball, and it's not. It's easier said than done against the Ravens. But I mean, if they can uh, control the ball on offense, don't turn it over. Obviously, have some sustained drives. Keep Lamar over there sipping Gatorade and score at the end of it. Okay, you got a shot. Also, there have been some breakdowns um, the last few weeks in special teams for this. Uh, group for the Jags this is not the ideal week to do that against the Ravens who have like 17 special teams coaches and all these great players so <laughs> um so we've got to be clean in that department as well because that can that can turn a game on you in a hurry and we've seen that for years and years in Baltimore so control the ball don't turn it over don't let Lamar kill you well he's going to get his anyway it feels like and then you got a shot let's get it to the fourth quarter Ravens are coming off a game, though, JP, while we're on the topic of special teams. that Harbs was asked about it in his Monday press conference. He was not pleased, so we'll see if that transitions over yeah, to – That's uh, not good news for us either. I mean, like, they're, they're going to clean it up this week. Oh, gosh, great. Right, right. Yeah, we will see. But uh, what's one matchup you're looking at? I want to see what this ETN kid's all about out of Clemson but uh, and see, especially up against – the Ravens interior defensive line, which has been pretty stout against the run. But uh, one matchup that you're looking at going into the weekend. I think that's a good one to start with. The Jags O-line's been pretty good in the run game this year. Really good, actually. And this is a really good defensive line for Baltimore. And we miss Calais Campbell greatly. He's a fantastic guy and a great mm -hmm. player. And still, in year 15, is getting it done up front. Um, so I think that matchup of, of, of the front five for the Jags and then Travis earlier in the season was trying to bounce it outside a lot. And then around about uh, when James Robinson got traded was when he was starting to put pads down and go between the tackles. And we're like, Oh, okay. This is a good development in the right, right department. I like that. Uh, and then as we just talked about the, the linebackers against Lamar and the tight ends, um, because that has been a problem. Uh, mobile quarterbacks, designed run quarterbacks, tight ends. Can they figure that out? Well, they're going to have to. So those are my two big matchups. JP, you mentioned Clayus Campbell, man. That has been just, I can imagine you covering him for years. Him here, it's not just his play. It's his leadership, his personality, everything. That's just that's just a good guy. It's too bad the league will, will lose him once he does decide to retire. Um but to, to kind of wrap things up, I always ask our guests, if you're comfortable, to give us a prediction and game score. The prediction, pain. <laughs> Jaguars, Jaguars find a way, though, I think. It's coming at home, right? It's after Thanksgiving. I think they'll hang in the game. In reality, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens are in first place for a reason. They're a very good football team. They're a playoff contender. Is this Jaguars team ready for the prime time yet? I don't know if they're quite there. I think it's a game in the fourth quarter. And, you know, maybe there's a turnover one way or another that uh, gives the team the advantage in the fourth and, and they get it done. But I, I don't think it's a blowout game. I really don't. I think the Jaguars can hang. 
if they can contain what we talked about. But if they don't, it could get ugly. But um, it seems like this team still has its head on straight. So I won't give you a true prediction. I think it's closer. I think it's a one-score game, and uh, a turnover here or there in the fourth quarter could decide who has the ball last. I think that's the good news for you, JP, going into the holidays, that this team is not blowing out anyone this year. Right, like, right. we're coming off a game – 13 to three to the Panthers. I mean, anything can happen. So I do want to finish with this though, because while he won't be a factor this year, the Jags were pretty active uh, ahead of the deadline. And probably most notably, they brought in Calvin Ridley who's suspended all year long for gambling. But what is the thought just to kind of close things out here? I was really kind of uh, intrigued by that move and surprised that maybe, uh, you know, other teams didn't try to jump on it sooner, but you know, being that, Look, we all know that I mean, it's, it's not an injury that he's trying to come back from. It's just not being available, literally, just based on his suspension. So what is the feeling and what do they think they're going to get out of him come 2023? Well, it's not an injury, but you got to remember before the suspension, there was some grumbling that he didn't love the game and was not playing a lot and was out and missed half the season and was out. Uh-oh, okay, got to figure that out. And then the gambling stuff came in after that. So is he, you know, they made the deal, so he's coming. So uh, is, is he all in? Uh, was that just a blip on the radar? Was there something going on in Atlanta that we didn't really know about? Okay, well, here's the situation. They don't have a deep threat wide receiver right now, right? That's what they're missing. That's what we just talked about. So can they figure that out with Ridley? Can he be a number one receiver? It seemed like he could be when he played. He was really good and had his – uh, head on straight up there in Atlanta. He was fantastic. So can you get that? And, okay, right now, if it doesn't work out, you're giving up, what, a fifth, sixth-round pick to give it a shot? Okay, great. Uh, if he actually performs at his highest level, the most you can give up for him is a second-round pick. So you would get a first-round talent if he's fantastic for a second-round pick. That's a pretty good bargain. So I think that's why they made the deal. And – continue to stockpile while they can. It won't help you this year, but okay, we're looking ahead to the future now. We, we like what we have in certain spots in this offense. We know what might be leaving on the offense. Let's go get him while we can and, and take a chance, you know, and if it works out, awesome. If it doesn't, hey, roll the dice, didn't work out, on to the next, but we'll see. That's for 2023. There's still seven games left here. I mean, this is, you know, this is what we were talking about in the lot. We're asking all these guys in the locker room, hey, what do you think about Calvin? They're like looking at us like we're from Mars. Well, oh yeah, there's like 10 games left. That's why. <laughs> no doubt, man. No doubt. Well, we appreciate you dropping by the vault, man, and, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. Same to you both, and um, thanks for having me on, and I hope we have a good game on Sunday here at uh, TIA Bankfield. Should be pretty good weather down here, and uh, have a good holiday. All right, good stuff from JP there. And I was going to have him. This is a typical question I have for almost all of our guests, and that's, you know, kind of their injury situation. But <laughs> looking at the injury report, the Jaguars have zero, Bobby, zero injuries to report. Are we like week one or are we week 12 here? I know they're coming off of a bye, but that's bananas. Yeah, for real. That's like clean living for almost <laughs> December football. Uh, Ravens can't say that, but hey. This time last year, I think they would take this time this year right now over this time last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I can just hear Ravens fans now like, who's their, who are their trainers? Let's get them in here. Let's hire them for, yeah. for the Ravens. So, 
Meanwhile, on the Ravens side, okay, so we've got some injury updates. It's not as good as the Jaguars, but I think there was some good things. So the Ravens, they, the injury report had eight guys missing practice, but one, two, three of them were for rest. Okay. But to start out, we got updates on Ronnie Stanley and Kyle Hamilton. And the gist of it there is that the MRI that we were waiting on for Ronnie reinforced what they originally thought. It's positive news. So John Harbaugh put both Stanley and Hamilton in this day-to-day category, and then he said they would be game-time decisions. Bobby, what's your take from that? Well, I don't think we're going to see either one of those guys on Sunday in Jacksonville, and I think that's okay. Like, for us to be just looking at them right now as day-to-day where literally both limped off. And in Ronnie's case, we know it's the surgically repaired left ankle that has caused him so much pain and anxiety over the last couple of years and has made him so unavailable that to say he's just day-to-day and not shut down for the rest of the year, God forbid, feels like a win. And so you know, watching him limp off and barely put any weight on it on Sunday. Yeah. It's, it's just, I'm happy. I'm encouraged for Ronnie and for the team. Cause we know his importance and for Kyle as well, that the knee is stable and let's just make sure that while these guys are day to day. Yeah. There's, there's no rush to get these guys back. Come Jacksonville. I, I believe in Patrick McCary um, and, and certainly a guy that, is in his rookie season that's hitting his stride. Let's not rush him back out on the football field just because. So that's how I feel. How about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I all I can, I have it. There's a, I saw a tweet. It came from the Panthers. They were trying to highlight the sack on that play for their guy. And it was the best view I had seen of it. And, but it was a, I saw a close up of them rolling into Stanley's ankle. Going from seeing that on Sunday to hearing that he's now day to day, that I was surprised by. And this is like one of those happy surprises, you know? So, no, I definitely don't expect him or Hamilton to play. I don't know how serious it is. Harbaugh, I think, saying day-to-day is extremely vague. It's basically saying he can come back this season but isn't promising anything else. Um, So, yeah, I for sure don't expect them to play uh, against the Jaguars, and then we'll kind of go from there. But to me, it's like even if they need two or three weeks out, this is great news. What we want is to ramp up come mid-December, you know, start ramping things up. So uh, good news there. Now, with Gus Edwards, he also practiced again. Uh, It was limited, just like he was last week. I was hoping to see him kind of take a step up and return to full. So I think this still puts him in question for Sunday. But uh, I have, I think there's a better chance for Gus than the other two guys that we just discussed. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that along those same lines in terms of Full participants, Mark Andrews was listed as such, so that's good news for him as he kind of moves his way past the the shoulder and knee injuries that he was banged up. I mean, you can't move past him at this point, right? Nobody's playing 100% uh, come late November, early December in the NFL, but but you know what I mean. And then the other piece of news, speaking of like the whole ramp-up period, the 21-day window coming off of IR and back 
into the fold is Marcus Williams, who we have not seen at practice for seven weeks since he dislocated his wrist earlier this season. Now we know, we both know that prior to that injury, this dude was in ball hawk mode and literally making a seamless transition to his first year here in Baltimore. So that's great news. We should also mention that according to video from Jameson Hensley of ESPN, yes, he was back at practice, but he wasn't actually catching footballs yet, leading you to believe that, okay, the wrist is still tender. Let's be careful with him. But that three-week, 21-day window is now a thing, and so you'd like to think that this ramp-up period will, um, you know, inch by inch here, get more and more from a workload standpoint over the next couple of weeks. So if he were to use the full three weeks and return to game action immediately at the end of the three weeks, that would put him back for that week 15 game with the Browns. And if he were back for that, then that has him three more regular season games before we're all presuming that the Ravens are going to make the playoffs. So that would be great. Now, it's interesting to me because – I wonder, it doesn't happen often. Usually when they give the guys three weeks of the, if they have the 21 day window, they usually use all 21 days. I'm wondering, I know what you're saying with that. He wasn't catching balls today, but I am wondering, I mean, do you need as much as of a ramp up period? If it's, you know, your wrist, he's got to get in football shape, but I imagine his body is still in generally good shape. I just wonder if he needs the full 21 days. So um, I hate to put up, you know, too big of expectations. I'm not saying to expect it, but if anybody could like come back sooner than the 21 days, you'd think it would be like a, a something like a wrist injury here. So um, definitely something to watch there. And another guy that we don't really talk about because he's still on the practice squad. And so he doesn't make it on the injury report, but Deshaun Jackson, he returned to practice today, according to reports. And, Bobby, the offense could use a deep threat if he can stay on there for more than a couple of plays. But, you know, that's that's more good news. I think all in all, it's not zero injuries, but not a bad injury report considering what could have been coming out of that Carolina game. Yeah, absolutely. And in Deshaun's case, right, he continues to deal with that hamstring, which is lingering. I mean, hamstrings linger for everyone. Then all of a sudden you put in a guy that's in his mid thirties playing double digit seasons in the NFL. Like, yeah, it's going to take a little bit longer. Harb saluted to that recently, but I would expect that when he's hundred percent healthy, given their limitations and from a vertical passing game standpoint, this dude is going to be on the game day 53 man roster. Would you agree? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Again, assuming he, yeah, he's, he's healthy for sure. So, man, I just, I'll tell you what, I said it, I said it earlier when we were talking about, you know, whether there'd be consistency in the offense. I mean, honestly, if just, if the injuries just stop, you know, but you can get, if say like you can get Stanley, you can get, um, you can get Hamilton, you can get Williams, you can get Deshaun Jackson out there. Nothing, you know, snowballs with Lamar Jackson's hip, you know, um, did we mention Lamar? We talked about Lamar, right? We haven't. No, yeah, but for those who don't know, we are recording this right after doing a morning vault, which I know we addressed it there. So I couldn't remember in which show uh, we put it in. Lamar Jackson. Talk about bearing a lead, Bobby. Lamar Jackson uh, missed Wednesday's practice uh, with a hip injury, but perhaps it wasn't on top of our mind because Harbaugh, just like last week, Harbaugh was like, 
when that when that illness went down, Harbaugh was like, "Yes, he's definitely playing." With the same, you know, conviction, he said the same thing this week that Lamar's definitely going to play, uh, and that they were just holding him back to give him rest. It sounded more precautionary than anything. So, um, so there, there's a Lamar Jackson update. You'll probably get more panic mode when you go out on Twitter more than what I just did, but but I, I do think he will be good to go on Sunday. But point being is if you can get these guys that we just named back by that week 15 with the Browns, we were talking about consistency in the beginning of, of it so that the, the the offense can can catch fire. Yeah, to me, if you have those three games heading into the playoffs, that's 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 perfect. That's perfect amount to go ahead and start getting your your offense together, get your mojo together, and really hit your stride come playoff time. So, Bobby, it is that time. We will move into game predictions and scores why don't you lead us off here sure i'll go ahead i just couldn't believe though one thing i thought one thing i really (laughs) i'm thinking about is he's been there for 11 years partner you were with the team for 13 i believe yeah uh, in in baltimore he's been in jacksonville for 11 one winning season i mean just you think about how that changes life like as someone who covers like we've just been so blessed you know i mean Oh. I've only been in Baltimore for, you know, excluding college and like actually covering the team. I've only been here for, you know, maybe four or five years at this point. And it's been all, po- it's just so funny. Like your, your definition of, of a season is so different. You know, like yeah. he, he, he just hearing his tone and his voice, like you asked him, what are you expecting? He's like, pain, pain, pain. <laughs> Because that's all they know, Sarah. <laughs> you know. Wait, what movie was he quoting though? Who says that pain? Somebody I'm gonna need somebody that. in the. Yeah. Co- it's I, I, I'm gonna look it up as you're talking. This is driving me nuts. I gotta know what yeah. movie it is. Keep going. All right, I'll go with my prediction then. Yeah. Okay. So, Ravens are uh, uh, getting four four point favorites. The over under is forty three and a half. So look, I, I kind of said it. I've said it many times in recent weeks. The art of the blowout is something that is in 2019 and is staying in 2019. They just don't blow out teams and that's okay. Like it's just, I don't believe that even if you're out there thinking this is an absolute, you know, uh, total guaranteed win, you might be right, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, as easy as, as maybe some people who are just lazily picking games might think I I am going to go with the Ravens win. I think, you know, more so than anything else, their defense has proven that with with pedestrian offensive performances, uh, you can still win games based on how they're 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 built at this point. And Mike McDonald has been leading the charge there with timely calls and and just overall, you know, schematically finding a way to win games with his personnel. So I am going to go with the Ravens win. I'm going to go twenty to 14 Ravens over the Jaguars in a little post Thanksgiving bout. How about you? I found it. I can't believe I couldn't remember it. It's Rocky three with Mr. T when he's about to go and face Rocky and an announcer asks him, what do you predict for this match? And he looks in the camera and he says, pain. <laughs> there it is. Gotcha. Gotcha. That was bad on us. Yes. Thank you. for oh, doing that. that was bad, <laughs> but I, I feel so much better now. Like a, a weight has been lifted off of me. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I think this Jaguars team, as I said, you know, with JP and asked him if it was accurate, they appear more. I think they're more dangerous than they appear. I think they're a young team 
that, you know, keep shooting themselves in the foot with turnovers. I think their kicker missed two field goals uh, against Kansas City. Um, you know, Justin Justin Tucker doesn't know much about that. Um, yeah. I think that the Ravens can can we just talked about controlled chaos can put Trevor Lawrence in a mindset where he just doesn't know what he should be doing. And he, he will get happy feet with, with this pass rush that is going to always be fresh with these rotations. So I think there's some, some opportunities there on defense on offense. I I think a lot's going to depend on uh, who's playing. Is Gus going to be back? Is, is Ronnie Stanley going to be in there? All that kind of stuff. Can they start getting some more consistency? Um, that's what I'll be looking for to see them kind of coming into their own. So, ah, uh, once I heard your score, I liked it better than my score. Um, but I'm going with 20. <laughs> you, can't, 20 you can't let me influence you. <laughs> I know, I, that's why I'm not going to change it. But um, I'm going to go. Uh, what should I do? Okay, I'm going to go 24-17. 24-17. I was tempted to say 24-14, but I'm like 10 points, 10 points. Are they going to do that? So, uh, okay, that's it. I'm going 24-14. I'm giving them a 10-point win. And I know that that maybe I shouldn't, but I'm still giving them the 10-point win. I feel like they should. I feel like they should, go, should do it, and I think they can do it. You just reminded me a couple minutes ago, too, when you mentioned – Justin Tucker that we probably haven't given him enough love this week specifically not that he needs more love the guy gets plenty of love but he needs some love this week because it was his birthday week uh, earlier a few days ago he turned 33 and as of right now entering week 12 he has made 65 straight field goals in the fourth quarter and overtime which of course extended his NFL record back last weekend against Carolina. So he is the ultimate weapon, non-skilled player uh, weapon. I got killed, by the way, for saying that recently on Facebook. Look it up. Oh. You know, look up what, what a skilled player is is defined as. I'm not calling yeah. him skillless. Come on now. <laughs> Obviously, he's highly skilled. Holy crap. But uh, Sarah, he's been really, really valuable this year, obviously. And I think based on the, the way that they're winning games, boy, that that trend could continue. They're going to really, really need him uh, if some of these games continue to be close against teams that, again, on paper, you feel like, oh, why aren't they killing Carolina? Why aren't they killing Jacksonville? Well, because there's a lot of parity in, in this year's NFL. And quite frankly, I prefer parity over you know, significant gaps in, in talent, which we saw in 2019, even though that was a magical run, it was a magical run, but it wasn't realistic and it wasn't sustainable. Uh, Bobby, even though we've neglected to give him some love this week, you know, who didn't forget to do that. (laughs) It was Lamar Jackson. If you haven't seen on the Ravens team website, they put up a clip from wired uh, after the game, Justin Tucker goes up to Lamar. He's like, hey, congratulations on the win. And Bobby and I said, Bobby, Lamar says back to him, well, congratulations to you. And they're like both complimenting each other. And Lamar's like, man, good, good field goal kicks. He's like, in that win, in that win, that's crazy. And it was just so like the two, you know, current Ravens goats, right? These two goats are just like, just totally giving love to each other. And football and adorable, I guess, doesn't go together. But I found the moment to be just adorable. I love, I loved both of these guys who are just fantastic at their jobs. You know, totally yeah. feeding each other the love. So, 
It's it's it good. Wholesome. It's in the season. We're supposed to. Be, it was oh, wholesome's the good word for it. Wholesome's a good word for it. Yeah. And it's just the 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 energy's in the air, right? It's a it's an energy of gratitude, right? So uh, glad to see that they're both grateful for each other. So uh, that about wraps it up for us here on the Ravens Vault. Uh, you will be listening to this. What is it? Friday morning when we when we post this. So it'll be That's you might plan. be having some of that Thanksgiving, uh, you know, hangover from all that turkey and all that. Maybe eating some uh, some some leftovers and all of that. So we hope that you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. This preview episode will replace our Friday morning Ravens Vault. Bobby and I are going to try to enjoy the holiday weekend with friends and family, and so we hope you all are too. But come on back Sunday after the game and we will have a live breakdown of everything that transpires. So thank you. We appreciate you. Happy Thanksgiving from inside the vault.